Good morning. Good to have you here. Thank, uh, thank Frank for stepping in last minute. Appreciate that. And uh, so all sorts of things going on uh, sickness-wise through our community. So um, make sure you wash your hands, right? I remember a few years ago, uh, it became trendy uh, to go run a marathon. It might still be trendy. I don't know. Or a half marathon. And the, the trendiness aspect of it was that, uh, that you would get one of these little window decals for your car, bumper stickers, it would show how many miles you ran. You may remember these, you might have one yourself. So if you're sitting in traffic, the car in front of you, if that person had run a race, maybe they'd have a bumper sticker on the decal that said 26.2 or, or uh, 13.1 or something like that, okay, showing, reminding you that they ran a marathon and you didn't. <laughs> and a little while after this trend was around, I, I was sitting in traffic, and there's a car in front of me, and it had a bumper sticker, this time that said 0.0. <laughs> of course, you know, knowing, saying that they did not run anything. It's funny that when, when trends seem to get popular, uh, there's always, that follows up kind of a, a backlash, a, kind of an anti-trend that will poke fun of it. A few years ago also, it became trendy for people to put on their cars and decals, what type of life they've had, they have. Have you seen this? Maybe uh, what type of life they have. It will say like uh, um, uh, beach life, all right? See maybe that, or, or, or lake life, or salt life, or, you know, ball life, or something like that, or cheer life, or uh, mud life, something like that, I don't know, or redneck life, and so on, right? <laughs> My wife and I were talking about uh, someone who had a very difficult week because of reading through Job, I mentioned that that person might want to get a car decal that says Job life. <laughs> and sometimes when, it, when things are going tough, it feels like we're living the Job life. Amen? Even though we know that Job had it much worse than we will ever have. As we finish the book of Job, it's important to realize that God has a role in our suffering. That role is to alleviate it. That role is to reduce it. That role is to ease our suffering. See, God yearns to take our suffering away. It is his will to help us in our suffering. We're in Job 42 today, and we have a long passage. I'm just going to start at verse 12 through 17. Verse 12 says, And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the first daughter Jemimiah, and the second Keziah, and the name of the third Karen Hopcha, and that all in the land there were no women so beautiful as Job's daughters, and their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. And after this, Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and his sons' sons, four generations, and Job died an old man and full of days. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day you've given us. 
And Lord, as we look at this passage of Scripture today, that you would show us today, especially those that feel like they might be living the Job life, that you would show them how your will is to, to help them in their suffering today, Father. Lord, I pray that you speak through me today, that, that you fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today I want to give you three ways God helps us in our suffering. Three ways God helps us in our suffering. First, God can bring perspective to our suffering. God can bring perspective to our suffering. Why do we suffer in the first place? Why is there suffering in the world? Well, to put it bluntly, I guess, we suffer because of the curse of sin. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, mankind, as, as well as the rest of creation, became cursed. See, originally we were never meant to die. We were created to live forever with God. But sin has temporarily destroyed that possibility. When sin came into the world, then our bodies started to fail. They started to break down. That's what old age is. Your body succumbing to the curse of sin. God, in his love and grace, removed Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden because if they had eaten from the tree of life, then they would be eternally cursed and they would be eliminated from God's presence because they would have never died because it was the tree of eternal life. But that's the good news about suffering. It's temporary. The ultimate fix for suffering is Jesus, and through his death and through his burial and his resurrection, Jesus has broken the curse of sin and death. And there will be a day where God will wipe away every tear from every face. And there will be a day with no suffering where we will enjoy being in the presence of the God who saved us forever. But until that day, God still helps us in our suffering. Even now, God can bring perspective to our suffering. And so we pick up at the end of Job, chapter 42 and verse 1. And all of Job's friends have tried to help him with their wisdom. I've tried to help them and with their criticism, and they failed. And God answered Job finally in the last two chapters or four chapters and essentially said, Where were you, Job, when I made the world? Are you sustaining all of life? God says to Job. And then Job responds to the Lord after hearing him talk for four chapters. He says, Verse 2 I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust." And ashes. After God responds to Job, Job's suffering is brought into proper perspective. He realizes his only real sin occurred during his suffering.
not before his suffering. His sin was that he did not trust God. He did not trust that God still loved him. He wrongly assumed that he can know all the things of God, so he repents from that sin and realizes he doesn't need to be so concerned with understanding the why of suffering. Do you find yourself sometimes just consumed with trying to understand the why of suffering? Job tried to understand the why of it. And God said, who are you to know the why? Rather, Job and we should focus on the one who can help our suffering and not focus on the why. There's a story of a man who was very jealous of the way his neighbor's yard looked. Every Saturday, he'd be out cutting grass. He'd look at his neighbor's yard, and the grass looked greener and better. He couldn't understand why. The grass was the same type of grass. The sod was the same. The soil was the same. He knew for a fact that they used the same growth products on their yards, but his neighbor's grass was always greener. So one day when his neighbor wasn't home, that man walked over to his neighbor's yard to look at his yard more closely. Maybe he could find out why his grass was not as green. And so he bent down and he looked at his neighbor's yard and, and, and he noticed that the soil and the grass looked cl close up looked very similar to his own yard. And so he was confused and so he, then he got up and he looked back across to his yard and suddenly his yard looked greener than his neighbor's yard. <laughs> grass indeed looks greener when we aren't close enough to see all the imperfections. See, when we're suffering, sometimes we need God to bring us out of our yard, lift up our head from the ground, and give us perspective of the big picture. When you're suffering, you're like the man who's staring at the individual grass blades, wondering why yours isn't as better, as good as the others. We realize that maybe our life and our suffering are not that bad after all. When God speaks, when we read his word, it always gives us right perspective. And it wasn't until God spoke to Job, as Job heard his word, that his perspective was changed. We have so much anxiety in our life, so much worry in our life. Problems are worse for us because we simply don't allow God to speak to us. We don't listen to him when he does speak. And that would give us proper perspective. So God will bring us perspective in our suffering if we let him. Secondly, God can bring justice to our suffering. Justice to our suffering. One of the elements of Job's suffering we forget about is that his friends added to his suffering I mean, the man was already suffering as it was, uh, and his friends added to it. They kicked him while he was down. They were guilty of making his suffering worse. They told him it was all his fault that he had, had sinned, and the Bible tells us that he had not. The fact that they did this did not please God. Look at verse 7. After the Lord had spoken these words to Job, 
the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My anger burns against you and against your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. Job's friends were guilty of giving bad theological advice to Job. Bad theology and what comes from bad theology is a bad application. And that's what they were doing. They did not speak right of God. They described God in ways that were not true. And let this be a lesson to all people who talk about God and teach about God and say things that are not true about him. When we say things like, my God wouldn't do this, or my God would never do that, or this is how my God is, be careful what you're claiming your God will do. If you're making God in your own image, or the image of a certain cultural standard, and you tell people that's how God is, you are in sin. You're just like Job's friends. You may think you're helping them by giving them a God that is easier to accept or a God that's more palatable, or you might think you're helping him by giving them a God that's more severe and more unjust than he is, but you're not. You're just adding to their misery, and God will bring about justice to that situation. God in his grace gave the friends a way to make atonement for their sin. Look what he says in verse 8. He says, you've sinned, but you can make atonement. Verse 8, now therefore, take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job. Offer a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you, for I will accept his prayer not to deal with you according to your folly. Job's still praying for his friends, even though they added to his suffering. For you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. So... Eliphaz and Bildad and Zophar went and did what the Lord had told them. And the Lord accepted Job's prayer. Thankfully, the friends obeyed God. But because of their sin, animals had to be slaughtered. Bulls had to be slaughtered. Rams had to be slaughtered. Keep in mind, this was the time before Abraham. This is before God had given his law to Moses. Before this, the only other time in in Scripture, the first part of Genesis, where we see God making atonement for sin was when he killed the animals necessary to make clothing for Adam and Eve. We forget about that being the first sacrifice. This is a shadow of the gospel. Jesus would be the ultimate sacrifice. By his blood being shed, All of our sins are atoned for if we obey in faith and believe in him. God brings justice to our suffering, and ultimately he he brought it when Jesus died on the cross, even though he was completely innocent for us. And just like Job prayed for his friends and interceded on their behalf, Jesus intercedes on ours. And God listens to Jesus' prayer. And accepts his sacrifice. And number three, finally, God can bring restoration to our suffering. Restoration to our suffering. Verse 10. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job 
when he had prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. A couple of the interesting things here. Job could have been bitter and not prayed for his friends, but he chose to. He did so out of obedience and love for God, not knowing that after he prayed, God would bless him. He had no idea that God would do this. But he, he prayed for his friends, and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Now, it's important to note that while God chose to bless Job with twice as much as he had before, this is not a, a prescription. All right? If you're suffering in some way, and someone hurt you and you pray for them, don't expect God to doubly bless you just because you prayed for them. All right? This is not a promise you can claim. This happened to Job. This is describing how God acted to him. Now, this isn't to say that God won't do this in your life or can't, but we can't just claim that God's going to work the same way. We're not Job. Believe me, you don't want to be Job. We can't force God to do things just because he's able to do things. He's not a, a genie in a bottle. What this tells us about God is that he is able to restore us from the outcomes of suffering. Amen? He is able to restore us. Remember, Job was tested and suffered because Satan asked God permission to do so. He said, the only reason Job loves you is because you've given him everything. Job says, try him. So God did not just let Job suffer for no reason, so he doubly blessed him. Now keep in mind, he still lost children. He still lost servants. You can't replace those. It was a tragedy, but God brought good out of a horrible, horrible situation. Look at verse 11. Then came to him all his brothers and sisters and all who had known him before and ate bread with him in his house. Remember before, they wouldn't even go near him. And they showed him sympathy and they comforted him for all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. And each of them gave him a piece of money and a ring of gold. Now, sometimes the best thing we can have when people suffer, we can do for them, right, is to give them sympathy, give them comfort. Maybe even take up a love offering, which is what they did here. Verse 12. No, before we get to verse 12, remember, Job had lost everything. Verse 12, though. And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. Keep in mind, he was the wealthiest man in the land, most respected man in the land. And it said the rest of his life, he had an even greater blessing. And he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels. A thousand yoke of oxen and one thousand female dogs. He had double the assets he had before. And he had seven sons and three daughters, right? That's when children were viewed as a blessing. When I already have four. I'm like, Lord, we don't need any more blessings, right? <laughs> but back then, it was more. I mean, he lived on a big plot of land. You needed all the hands, all the mouths you could have, right? All the help you could have. It gave me more children. And he gave them these names in verse 15. And in all the land, he says, there were no women so beautiful as Job's daughters. Usually in Scripture, you see the, uh, the men named or the sons named. Uh, they don't name the sons here. They give the name of the women, of the, ch of the, of the daughters. 
the most beautiful daughters. I don't, that might be a curse. I don't know, right? But it was a blessing. And their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. And after this, Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and his sons' sons for generation. What, what, what a blessing it is to, to be able to see, right? Be able to see grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. You know, one of my grandfathers, he died when I was nine months old. Yeah. He never saw me. What a blessing it is to, to be able to see that. That's a blessing. He thought he was going to die. But now he gets to see four generations of Job. Right? God restored. He blessed Job. Why? Because he's a God of restoration. God is a God of blessing. Even when you're suffering and you feel like he's far from you, he is a God of blessing. He is a God of restoration. And he is more than capable and more than willing to bless you and restore whatever you've gone through. And Job lived a good long life. Scripture tells us that God capped life, so to speak, at about 120 years. Right? And, and think about it, you don't see many people live that. Every now and then you might see someone who's made it to 120, but it's pretty rare. Job lived 140. All the news stations would be at his door asking him, what's the secret to life, Job? How have you lived so long, Job? And what do you think he'd say? My God lets me live this long. All glory to God lets me live this long and see everything. You know, we're not promised an earthly restoration like Job, unfortunately. God doesn't promise that. But I believe God shows to us what he did for Job because of what our future will be like. You ever wondered what our future would be like? Because of Jesus, one day we will be restored. This life is not the best it gets. I want you to know that. <laughs> this life we live is not the best it gets. Every now and then we get a little taste of heaven when things go well, when there's celebrations, right? When the Gamecocks win, we get a little taste of, taste of heaven, right? When there's weddings and celebrations and healings and miracles, we, we get a taste of heaven, but because of Jesus, all will be restored and we'll be eternally blessed. And in life, in, in, in heaven, there will be no beach life. <laughs> there will be no salt life. There will be no Job life in heaven. Amen. There will be the Jesus life. And it will be a life that never disappoints because God is a God of blessing. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much what you've done for us, Christ Jesus. Lord, and as we close our time together today, we do thank you. We thank you. If we undergo the Job life on some, some area in our life, it's not final. And that your hand is still guiding us, still working in our lives. Father, if there is one in here today that's just had a tremendous amount of suffering lately, I just pray that you 
Let them know in a special way today, Father, that you are still with them. Even if they might know it, let, let them feel that today, Lord. You are still with them, and, and you're going to bring restoration to their life one way or another. And we thank you that you do that for us. We thank you for Jesus you've sent for us. Through his death and resurrection on the cross, Lord, we, we can experience you fully. We have forgiveness of sins and salvation eternal. Father, as we leave here today, if there's one that's never placed their faith in you today, Lord, that they would do so today. You would bless them with eternal life and you would bless them with salvation and forgiveness of sins and you will give them the Jesus life. Father, we love you. We ask these things in your name. Amen.